Welcome to this peer voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash BSG. This educational activity was funded by Pfizer. Welcome to this peer voice panel discussion on COVID vaccination. This activity comprises a peer-to-peer -peer discussion between experts in infectious diseases and vaccination. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm George Cassianos. I'm a family doctor, a GP, and National Immunization Lead of the Royal College of General Practitioners in the UK and President of the British Global and Travel Health Association. I'm joined today by my colleague, uh, Gilly Regev, to discuss the latest recommendations around COVID-19 vaccination. So, Gilly, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, George. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm Gilly regev -Yuchai. I'm a professor of infectious disease and the director of the Infection Prevention and Control Unit at the Shiba Medical Center, as well as director of the Shiba Pandemic Preparedness Research Institute in Tel Aviv, Israel, and welcome to this activity. Uh, George, uh, maybe we'll start with what are the reasons uh, why we're not, not seeing so many more people being vaccinated now, while we had so many people being vaccinated before, and why should we at all still be discussing about COVID vaccination? Well, before, people desperately wanted the vaccine because SARS-CoV-2 was devastating families and communities and health systems generally. Now we have widespread transmission of the virus, but the health systems are able to cope so much better than two years ago. Generally, we see a degree of apathy, probably because of uh, perceived low risk of infection. Uh, this is augmented by worries about possible vaccine adverse effects. In addition, there are still conspiracy theories around and sometimes adverse spiritual or religious beliefs can play a role in not getting vaccinated as well as not trusting the government. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you. What is the current situation regarding COVID-19 transmission? And can you tell us about the current variants of interest and variants of concern? we are observing? As I mentioned, we are now, I think, in what I would call the post-pandemic era. And so during the pandemic, we saw uh, extreme surges of initially the wild type, then followed by uh, the alpha uh, variant of concern, then delta, and uh, other ones. Uh, and since 2022, we started seeing the emergence of what we call the Omicron and the Omicron subvariants. And if you look at this slide here and you look at the left side, we're looking at the phylogenetic tree, uh, and we see that on the very left is the uh, wild type and then the delta, gamma, alpha, and then look how far away are those Omicron ones and look how they further emerged and further evolved uh, up to what we have uh, actually right now. So as of December 2023, we started seeing what we call the XBB lineage. Uh, and that included XBB 1.5, uh, XBB 1.16, EG5, and more. I'm not going to go into all these names, but they all accounted for about 
73% of the genetic sequences uh, available. Uh, but if we're talking about December 2023, and we are now in uh, February, just within these two months, we have the evolution of well, the new and very, very um, spread uh, variant, which is the JN1. It's a, uh, an interesting variant of interest, which began with the BA286, uh, which had 36 amino acid substitutions relative to the XBB15. And I'm emphasizing this because XBB15 is what actually the new vaccine is uh, developed against. And with that, maybe, George, can you tell us a little bit about what are the current recommendations regarding the COVID vaccination? Yes, certainly. Well, the World Health Organization currently recommends monovalent XBB.1.5 COVID-19 vaccines. And the reason for this is the fact that the monovalent XBB vaccines elicit broadly cross-reactive neutralizing antibody responses against circulating SARS-CoV-2 variants. The same recommendation has also been adopted by the International Coalition of Medicines Regulatory Authorities, but also by a number of countries, including the United States and, and the European Union. All three main vaccine manufacturers, that is Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna, and Novavax, have produced on time their XBB.1.5 vaccines ready for the autumn winter booster in the Northern Hemisphere, and of course, subject to authorization in individual countries or regions. So, Gilly, can you tell us a bit more about the most recently approved adapted Omicron XBB 1.5 vaccines? Do we know how effective these monovalent XBB vaccines are against currently circulating variants and what is the evidence that supports the need to still vaccinate? As you mentioned, the Omicron-adapted XBB is a monovalent vaccine. And there was actually a question, should we continue with bivalent vaccines, including the uh, wild type, or should we move to a monovalent? And as I showed you previously, the evolution of the strains and how far away XBB is, and considering the fact that most of the population was already exposed to some of the older variants, uh, the conclusion was that a monovalent vaccine with XBB 1.5 will currently be the best to cover the emerging strains. And I think the very preliminary data that we have showing that indeed uh, that is better. We have several references, and I'm sure there are going to be many more reports in the coming month or months regarding the effectiveness of the vaccine. Right now, I think the initiative to vaccinate people with the new vaccine is really to uh, prevent severe infections, and that's important to say. We see that the immune responses, as we can see uh, here, are uh, increasing after vaccination or after being infected with these XBB, and particularly to those newer emerging strains, which currently right now is mainly JN1, as we mentioned, uh, which is highly resistant with many mutations uh, compared to uh, even the uh, original, I, I would call it, uh, XBB. 
So we are getting farther away, and that is why we need the newer updated vaccines. But still, I have to say that even if you don't have uh, a, a, any possibility to get a newer vaccine, it's better to get any vaccine than not to get at all, if you are at the population and risk. And let's really get to that. And I would ask you, George, what are the current recommendations regarding COVID vaccination? Well, the World Health Organization recommends now vaccination of older adults, uh, that is over 50 or over 60 years of age, depending on local country or regional regulations, but also younger adults with comorbidities, individuals who are immunosuppressed, pregnant women, and also frontline health workers. Now, in the UK, in addition to these groups, we're also asked to vaccinate frontline social workers, carers in the community, uh, household contacts of people with immunosuppression, and also children from six months of age onwards who are in a clinical risk group. So, Kelly, are there any other patients we should be vaccinating now? Uh, I think the greatest emphasis should be on the elderly and on patients with high risk, which is mainly immune suppression of any kind, and people with lung disease. Those are really the high-risk groups, and I think they should definitely get the, the vaccine. I very much agree with you. So before we close, let us both state briefly why and for who COVID-19 vaccination is recommended. So, Gilly, do you want to go first? Sure. So, uh, for some populations, while probably young, healthy people, they don't really need this extra protection right now, but there are some populations who really need this addition of protection. Uh, and we know that the vaccines are effective in raising the neutralizing antibodies and thus help us definitely in the short term of several months to protect uh, probably to some degree from infection, but mainly and the most important issue is protecting from severe disease. Okay, thank you. Now uh, we should make every effort to vaccinate the high-risk population as per World Health Organization recommendations. We can't very much prevent fully all infection, but by vaccinating high-risk patients, we can prevent to a large extent severe disease, admissions to hospital, admissions to intensive care unit, and death. Thank you, Gilly, for the great insight, and thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, George, for the great discussion, and thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.